When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 42 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm Bethany, and today I'm joined by... Lindsay! Lindsay! <laughs> my sister Lindsay! Yay! Yay! Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> and she can see me. I was frozen, but now you can yes. see me. Yes, I, I can see you I was frozen, and today we're going to talk about the movie Frozen. What a dink. <laughs> so today's episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. It is also brought to you by Soap is King, the official Soap Revolution supporter of the coronavirus. Please go check them out on Instagram. Um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself other than the fact that you're my sister? <laughs> I mean, people have heard me talk about my really tall, blonde, beautiful sister, so they huh? kind of know you. <laughs> Well, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm Lindsay. I live in most horrific coronavirus state right now, California. No, <laughs> New York has it way worse. That's true. Okay, so the second most. <laughs> um, I live in San Diego, California, and I have two cats and my boyfriend, Randy. Yay! It's more like a child, so... Yeah, everybody's <laughs> a child depending on the day. True, me too. True, true. So before we get started, I usually ask all of our listeners their relationship with Marissa Meyer, but you have not read books because you're not a big reader. So I read the first chapter of Cinder a long time ago. Well, but... now you need to read more of it, <laughs> and then you can be a guest on the podcast. And what a quinky ding! We're in the middle of a quarantine. Perfect timing. That's true. Um, go online. I still have to work, so. Yes. <laughs> so instead, I think what we're going to do is talk about your history with Frozen. Do you remember the first time you saw Frozen? No, I was. Um, actually, I think the first time I saw it probably would have been in 2014 because of all the things that I was had going on in 2013. Right. Um, so probably would have been 2014 either right before I moved to California or right after I moved to California. That makes sense. I wasn't out here very long before I saw it, if I saw it out here. Quentin and I, one of our very first dates was we went and saw Tangled in theaters, and we loved Tangled. We thought it was such a wonderful movie, and it is. It's probably my favorite Disney movie. And when Frozen came out, everyone was talking there, like, you have to go see Frozen. It's amazing. And Quentin and I were like, we're just going to wait for the DVD. It's fine, you know. And people, you know, were like, it's better than Tangled. Like, I know you love Tangled, but it's way better than Tangled. Like, it is worth going to check out in the theater. And we were like, well, all right. So, you know, two grown adults in their late 20s went to the theater. <laughs> well, it's filled with, like, children and moms trying to watch the movie and control their children. And we're just up there with our popcorn and our beer and <laughs> watching Frozen. While I enjoy Frozen, and I think it is a wonderful movie, and we'll talk about it more in the episode, I have to say I don't think it's better than Tangled. Eek, I'm sorry. I know that's like a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they're both great movies. I'm not sure if I like one more than the other, um, but I, I think they are both amazing Disney movies. Movies yeah. in general, but definitely Disney movies. Well, we talked about Tangled as my favorite Disney movie. Do you want to talk about your favorite Disney movie? Um, The Little Mermaid, definitely. <laughs> um, I like the classics. <laughs> the Little Mermaid is definitely my favorite Disney movie. I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid and still am as a grown adult. So. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you were obsessed with Little Mermaid and Scooby-Doo. You had a Scooby-Doo-themed yes. birthday party every year for ever. Oh, <laughs> a long time, yeah. Also, um, I want to clarify, 
When we were growing up, there wasn't super cool birthday parties where you like go and rent out a place and, you know, like you go to those bounce places or trampoline park or whatever. When I say a Scooby-Doo themed birthday party, I mean like we had people over at our house and my mom had like Scooby-Doo napkins. (laughs) (laughs) And Scooby-Doo plates. And maybe if she got lucky, we'd have a Scooby-Doo pinata. Yeah, but didn't one year she make, like, a uh, a mystery for us to do? Like, a scavenger hunt or something? Yes, and that was probably my most memorable birthday as a kid. And the one I loved the most was that birthday. It was at the park yeah. in Clinton. Um, yes, okay, yeah, it was at that big Kiwanis Park, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and she had a we scavenger had... hunt, and we all had to solve the mystery to get the scavenger hunt. Yes. That was one good thing. That was a thing she was she... really good at. Yeah, because I also remember she did a Fear Factor birthday party for Samantha. Do you remember that? It was so gross. Yes, she had, I do. <laughs> she had, like, peeled egg, or not peeled eggs. She had, like, peeled grapes, and you had to, like, close your eyes and put your hand in the bucket. And, I don't know, uh, spaghetti, I think, like, dry spaghetti covered in, uh. like, maple syrup. And, she, like, I don't know. She had all kinds of crazy ideas. She was great. And... One of my favorite traditions, and I don't know if she started this or Graham started it or who started it, but if you have kids and you don't already do, even if you live alone, you need to do that. Yes. Yes. Lindsay's like, happy birthday. <laughs> yes. It's the best tradition ever. What it is, is everyone that lives in the house goes into your room and wakes you up on your birthday with a birthday cake. Or a cupcake or a bagel or something or a brownie (laughs) or whatever. Whatever's available at the time. (laughs) (laughs) A muffin. (laughs) And everybody sings (laughs) and everybody sings you happy birthday when they walk in. So that's how you wake up every year on your birthday is everyone coming in, singing happy birthday. And the very first thing you do, like before you pee or brush your teeth, is make a wish, blow out your candle, and have cupcakes for breakfast. Yeah. It's I think everyone should have that tradition. I keep it alive in my I house. <laughs> I do too. Randy Randy doesn't participate, but when it's his birthday, I take him a cupcake with a candle on it or a donut or whatever I have available, and I sing him happy birthday in the morning. Yeah, Quentin's totally down. He's like, hell yeah, let's do it. He gets bagels. I think once, once we have kids, he'll probably participate yeah, well, I think so too. For the kids, but <laughs> it's, oh, it's fine. I think it's it such a wonderful fun. birthday tradition, and I don't know how it got started, but everyone should do it. <laughs> Mom still, even though she lives a distance away, she'll still call me on my birthday first thing in the morning, and the first thing I hear is "Happy birthday." <laughs> And just, like, that's all I hear until she's done singing it. And you know how mom is when she sings happy birthday. So it takes a good minute and a half for her to finish the song. (laughs) Because you can't just sing happy birthday. It has to be, like, karaoke style, like the president and the Grammy Awards are paying attention or something. (laughs) Like the president sitting in the corner watching (laughs) him, listening to her sing happy birthday to you. (laughs) So... (laughs) The last time our listeners talked to me, I was about to go to the Teen Book Festival, and now I went. Yay! (laughs) And um, you had a lot of fans there, correct? I did. I was very surprised by that, but I actually met a lot of wonderful people who have heard of me and love the podcast, and we got pictures together and hugs, and one girl even asked for my autograph, which was probably the coolest thing to ever happen to me um (laughs) and I met Marissa Meyer and I gave her a t-shirt with our logo and you know Prince Kai Fan Pod produced by Bethany Finger and a cup that said that and a little postcard where I wrote you know what the podcast is who I am where you can find the podcast and I was about two weeks ago and I haven't heard anything yet so Fingers crossed. She is a busy lady, <laughs> so yeah, it might yeah. take some time. <laughs> it might take forever. I have no idea. But it was a lot of fun during the festival. I hope that the plague clears up soon so we can go do more fun stuff like that. Um, I have <laughs> officially <laughs> I have officially been laid off as of about 20 minutes ago. I was doing work from home, and now I am – I still have school. Like, I'm still taking eight classes, so I guess it's not – 
Like I'm doing nothing, but at least I'm gonna, you have I'm gonna use it. something to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna use it as an opportunity to read the ever-growing to-be-read pile in my room. There's a book I purchased two years ago that I've been trying to read, but I keep running out of time. So I'm working my way through it. I just finished the second book in the Miss Peregrine series and started the third this morning, and I'm hoping to read the fourth one. Oh, and I want to really quickly talk about a book that's called Lighter Than My Shadow. It's by Katie Green, and it's right Beowulf it's a graphic novel <laughs> the dogs are always present in every episode um <laughs> okay. Rock, Rocco's in my lap right now and he's purring pretty loud so it may pick up on the microphone <laughs> well lighter than my shadow it's a graphic novel by Katie Green it's black white and gray it was incredible I really I really struggled reading it but in the best possible way it's a very transparent book it's about eating disorders and someone coming to the realization that she has an eating disorder and then trying to overcome it repeatedly and relapsing. And it's a very powerful book. I think, I think it's worth reading even if you don't have a history with eating disorders, but you know, I've been pretty transparent about having insecurities about my weight, which I think most people do without a doubt. Absolutely. And even if you don't have a history with stuff like that, I think it's a good cautionary tale and it might really help you relate to people. I hear so often people judging other people for their size or, you know, they're too skinny. They're too fat, whatever. It's too much. Yeah. I hate it. Our sister Ivy and I have had endless conversations about the way people treat her. And she's lost like some 120 pounds the last year and a half. So she's well on a, a good progress road to where she wants to be. But she should be loved and accepted for who she is, as should everyone. So I agree. Yeah, it's just a really good book. It's, you know, there should not be a thing as skinny shaming or fat shaming, but there is. And unfortunately, we live in a society that praises one over the other. And, you know, myself especially, I'm susceptible to things like that. So if you are or you know someone who is, I think this is a wonderful book. Even if you're not, I still think it's worth reading. It's pretty big for a graphic novel. It's like 300 pages. Nope, it's like 500 pages. Um, <laughs> but it, it is worth reading, and it is a graphic novel, so it's still only going to take you like three hours to read the whole thing. So it's a lot of pictures. It's it's just worth reading. Like I said, it's called Lighter Than My Shadow by Katie Green. And if everybody's at home looking for a new book to read, I recommend that one. Obviously, she should also read Cinder and all the Lunar Chronicles and everything by Marissa Meyer. <laughs> yes. You're in California. Which is currently struggling against the plague slash coronavirus. For anyone who might be listening five years from now wondering what we're talking about with the plague, there's this plague called the coronavirus and it's sweeping the world. And I it's wouldn't been use the word plague, I would use the word <laughs> pandemic, but <laughs> Well, the only reason I'm gonna yes. say plague is because in the Lunar Chronicles, the Cinder series I want you to read, there's a plague. So I feel like if okay. I use the word plague, it's a connection. But yes, the coronavirus is a pandemic. Um, for those of you who don't know the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic, is pandemic is a global scale. It doesn't affect a small area or a localized group of people. It affects anyone and everyone it comes into contact with across the entire globe. So it's pretty big. And um, they tried to play it off as if it was not as big as it was when it first came out. But somehow I had already figured that it was bigger than they were making it out to be. So I was prepared for things like a lockdown like California is in right now. We are only allowed to go out for essential needs, meaning the grocery store, banks, laundry mats, <laughs> medical. Yes, that's pretty much it. In fact, um, every business is closed except for restaurants, drive throughs only, and um, grocery stores and gas stations and banks. And that's it. That's all that's open. And a lot of banks are drive through only as well. Yes, right now there are a lot of banks that are drive through only. However, the ones in my particular town of San Diego are mostly indoor ones. Um, there's not a lot with drive throughs out here. Um, and even like grocery stores right now, you have to wait in a line that is about 20, 30 people long before you can even get inside the store because they're only letting in a, f a handful of people. Um, at a time. 
I kind of wish they were doing that here because people are getting crazy. People are stealing from each other's cards. I got hit with a card like five times the other day. So, and I don't want to like call anybody out, but I think that this type of situation brings out the worst and the worst kind of people and the best and the best kind of people. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really unfortunate situation. So if you're in a place where you can help others try to do so, if you're in a place where you need help, reach out. I know it's hard to reach out in a community. I would start with churches. They're usually willing to help. Um, if you're sick, I'm very sorry, and I hope that it all gets better for you. If you're separated from your families, I know how tough that can be. Military wives and families know better than anyone how bad it can be to be separated from your loved ones. Just hang in there. Grab a good book. Keep your babies close. You know, If you have to go out, Try to find a sitter or leave your kids behind because kids are getting trampled and hit with carts and hurt in the stores. I was very lucky when I went to the grocery store so yesterday, either the day, it might, I think it was the day before yesterday, they had very little toilet paper left, of course, because for some reason, nobody can just grab the limited amount. They have to go above and beyond and take more. And everybody just kept grabbing. I'm five feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I could not reach and I kept jumping and trying to get it and everybody was just grabbing and walking grabbing and walking Every nobody even noticed me and this guy came up he was a big guy and he grabbed the last two and I was like oh well I tried I guess and he put one of them in my cart for me oh that was very sweet I was not expecting that I had given up on human kindness already so I'm very grateful <laughs> whoever so you, you are were like <laughs> in your head you're thinking what a jerk he's gonna take the last two rolls of toilet yeah, paper and then he put it in your cart and you're like uh maybe I should have hold my thoughts until yeah no, that was exactly my thought because I was like oh man he got the last two that's such a oh I was so frustrated and then he put it in my cart and he was like here you go darling and I was like oh my god thank you <laughs> so big thank you to whoever that gentleman was <laughs> that is very sweet yeah, so just try and stay safe. I I know people are panicking. And panic buying. And that leads to more panic buying because then people yes. who aren't panicking are going to the store and they're like, well, I better grab as much as I can before the people that panic grab all of it. And that's really just not helping. So just try to grab only what you and yours need and think yes. about the other people in the world. Say thank you to everyone still working. Every time I go to a store, I say thank you for working. Thank you, Lindsay, for still working. <laughs> yes. Well, I work um, in a plumbing company, so it's kind of important that my job still <laughs> goes on because yeah. we still need our plumbing in this grave time. Yeah. And I'm grateful to you and everyone else who's still working. And we need to not panic. But take it seriously. Social distancing yeah. is a recommendation for a reason. There's a reason everybody's shutting down businesses and restaurants and schools are closing. Graduations have been canceled. My graduation has been canceled. Unfortunately, Lindsay and I lost our grandfather this last week and no one was able to fly home or drive home to his funeral because they had a limited amount of people they were even allowing into the facility. So... I, I know that some people are saying everyone is overreacting, and perhaps they are, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't take this seriously. But just in the words of Ellen DeGeneres, be kind to one another, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that people don't take it as seriously because they're like, oh, I'm young, I'm not going to get sick. But you can still transfer the symptoms to someone else even if you don't have them the virus is still transferable and we have to not only watch out for ourselves but help watch out for those who cannot um, survive this pandemic those who are older those who are have bad immune systems um, people who have cancer or dialysis needs that can't even go to get them those things taken care of, we have to watch out for them because those people are just as important as everybody else. Yeah, and everyone you know in a nursing home, call them, reach out to them. They're literally locked in their rooms. They can't walk down the hallways. They can't go outside. They don't get to do social gatherings anymore. Their food is brought to them. Um, you know, our grandfather has an, a patio, and all he's allowed to do is open the window. So 
Now, luckily, our grandfather is slightly antisocial, but for most people, it's <laughs> this is very struggling. It's very lonely. Reach out to them. Call them like once, you know, if you already call them once a week, maybe start calling them twice a week because they're lonely and they're bored and they're not allowed to get stuff brought in. So you can't send them like, you know, I was going to send him a bunch of books and they're not letting us do that. So just do what you can reach out, call, even if you're only going to talk for five minutes, it's it's very beneficial that they hear from you. Yes, it is. It's really important. So enough depressing stuff. Let's talk about Frozen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So Frozen, I guess we'll just do like a really quick recap, right? Frozen came out a few years ago. It's about these two sisters. One of them has magical powers that allow her to create control and manipulate snow and ice. I guess that's the best way to describe that, right? Yeah. Um, And it's all about them, her learning how to control her powers and save her community from herself. Herself. Yeah, and save her from herself. And I think that the movie is, let's first talk about some of the things we liked about the movie, because I like a lot of things about Frozen. I love the music. The color scheme. The Yeah, blue and purple color scheme is great. Purple is my favorite color, so that made me really happy to see so much blue and purple and pink everywhere. I love the characters. They seem very genuine, even for a Disney movie. I love that Kristoff is not having any of this hot girl in a dress bowl. He's just, he's <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. You know, he's very, he like, doesn't pay any attention to her whatsoever. No. He's just frustrated that she's blocking the carrots. (laughs) I love Anna. Anna is like the inside of my brain. She's overly excited and she sings about everything she does and she loves chocolate and she's a romantic at heart. And yes, yeah, Anna's great. Elsa is like, I don't know. She's kind of like me. She's stubborn. Um, (laughs) Very self-conscious because she has to be um, because her parents kind of made her that way but at the same time she's very brave and she loves her sister and she's just trying to save everyone by leaving when she does leave I think Elsa is a wonderful character that we don't get to see a lot of in Disney movies you know a lot of time in Disney it's damsel in distress type situation Tangled and Mulan are some of the first movies to even occupy the idea that the girl could be the one who's the hero that the girl could save the day Mulan especially I think and I think what's great about Elsa is that she's both the good guy and the bad guy in multiple parts of the story and I think that's a good representation of people because we all have good things in us and bad things in us and what matters is what actions we do and what words we use that is correct they definitely show us what what real people are like in Frozen and I think that's a great aspect to the movie I will say watching the movie and if you're a Patreon member you'll get access to my notes which are like 18 pages long watching the movie I was surprised and happy about some of the representation I saw there was a lot of people of different shapes and sizes there were a lot of people with red hair which is not common in Disney movies so that was nice however there were not a lot of people of color and I have two mixed nieces. I mean, I, even if I didn't, I still think there should be people of color, but I want people watching movies and TV shows to see what they see in the world around them. In my world, I see people of all different ethnic backgrounds. And in this movie, it was mostly white. And I will say frozen two does a much better job of including other races, but frozen this first frozen, I don't think, delved into it enough as they should no definitely not literally everyone is white (laughs) yeah i don't it's this whole big thing and i don't want to get on too much of a soapbox because i know some people are going to be like all right it's just a movie but movies and tv shows are supposed to represent stories that take place in real life and my real life doesn't look like that there are different people than what i see in this movie and i want movies and TV shows to reflect the world around me correctly. Yes, mine also does not look like that. My boyfriend right. is a black man and yeah. my future children are going to be mixed raced and and our nieces, Sarah's nice. daughters are mixed. 
Yes, Sarah's daughters are mixed. And it would be really nice to see the representation of that in Disney movies, especially for young kids growing up who are biracial and who are um, of mixed ethnicities. Right, because this is what, like we just talked about, Sarah's daughters, our nieces, they're mixed. And this is one of their favorite movies, and there's not a single character in these movies that look like them. And I think that that's really sad. I think that movies are getting better. I think cartoons are getting better, but we still have a long way to go. And I'm hoping that Frozen 2, since it did have a little bit more inclusion, is, you know, putting us on that path. And I don't want to spend too much time on a soapbox. I just, I wish there were more black people. I just do. And... I have gotten comments about that before, so I just want to say really quickly, there's a reason I say black people instead of African-American, and the only reason I'm going to say this is because I have been corrected. I have used African-American because I was taught for a very long time that that's politically correct, and I have... It's not. (laughs) And I've had a lot of people, and I try to respect them, so I apologize if you prefer to be called that. I respect that. I really do. I, you know, we're Jewish and Romanian and Italian, and I prefer to be called American because I know that there's a lot of people in my family who died so that I could be called American, and I just prefer that. But the only reason I say that is because not everyone who is black is of African descent. For example, Lindsay's boyfriend is Trinidadian, so he's not African-American. He's Trinidadian. So his mother was born in Trinidad and Tobago, and so is his grandmother. Obviously, his his DNA is of African ancestry, um, but he's also got European blood in him. He has Native American blood in him. They are just as mixed as me and Bethany. Like I said, I don't want to spend too long on it. I just know I've been called out before, so I'm trying to preempt that. (laughs) I mean, absolutely no offense. I just, and I apologize, I just have gotten in the habit of saying black because I've said African-American and I've had people who've been upset with me assuming that they're African when they're not. So, yes, yeah. So some more things that I did like. I love the music. What what do you think is your favorite song? Um, My favorite song is Olaf's song. (laughs) the one where he sings about summer he is so funny oh my goodness uh and he's even funnier in frozen too which i'm sorry i just it's on disney plus and quentin hadn't seen it yet so i just watched it so it was great (laughs) i i just watched it recently as well it was wonderful (laughs) if you you haven't lived until you've heard quentin singing into the unknown (laughs) i would love to That's like the other day we were in the car and I'm a big fan of Lizzo. I love her. And I, yes. And I had good as hell playing and like halfway through the song, he had picked up all the lyrics. So it's just (laughs) us chilling in the car singing and you just hear Quentin going, God is hell. Like, (laughs) and then like a few hours later, he's just wandering around the house doing stuff. And I just randomly hear, God is hell. Like, Have you, uh, you should play her song Juice for him. He oh, I love that like song him. so much. <laughs> yeah, let's not start a karaoke band. Nobody wants to hear me no. sing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love the music in this, in this movie. And I think that that's part of why everybody likes it so much. The music is very catchy. It's very upbeat. It's very sing-along-y. It has like a very Broadway feel to it, I think, with some of the the music. Because a lot of the the characters are actually portrayed by Broadway actors, Broadway singers. But I mean, like the music itself, like the very beginning of this, the movie, for example, is, you know, kind of like what you see in actual musicals. There's random noises going on in the world with their ice picks and the ice breaking apart and sliding, and that is used to create the music that they sing the song yes. to. And I thought that was really cool. I loved all the harmony there. And when they play Let It Go, her making the ice and the castle out of ice, you can hear that in the background of the song, and you hear the wind whirling, and that is also a part of the music as well. Yes, I think that my favorite song, I hope nobody hates me, (laughs) (laughs) I think my favorite song is Love is an Open Door. I know he's the bad guy. I just really like that song. I am a hopeless romantic, and I think that that song is so cute and so adorable. It is. 
It is adorable. No matter how much of a bad guy he is in the beginning, you if you've never seen the movie, you don't know that he's a bad guy. And so you're sitting here and you're like, this song is so adorable. And the first time you ever watch it, you're like, oh, I, I'm rooting for those two. <laughs> yeah. I Well, see, now that's how I was. We watched that movie in theaters. Quentin was just like, right after this song, when they were like, let's get married, he was like, oh, he's the bad guy. I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> they're in love they're gonna get married he was like bethany he just told her he has 12 brothers that he's always looking for his own place and now he wants to marry her after one song i was like well they were also <laughs> dancing and talking and stuff and he's like he's the bad guy and then of course we get to the end when they're about to kiss and i was like oh and hans is like if only there was someone that loved you and quentin was like hold you <laughs> <laughs> I didn't predict it. I was rooting for them. I was very torn because I saw her starting to make some kind of connection with Kristoff. And so I was like, oh, Kristoff is a really nice guy. This is it's hard. It's going to be hard for her. This must be like a love triangle. Maybe Kristoff will end up with Elsa. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Elsa doesn't need a man. Nope. <laughs> Elsa's good. But I, I do remember being like, what? When we find out he's the bad guy, I was very surprised. And... I was very upset. <laughs> My little hopeless romantic heart was broken, but it was saved later when she gets Kristoff. So. <laughs> the weird thing about that is he's really good at playing a good guy up until the she returns. What I think makes it very evident is the way he talks to everyone after he claims that Anna has died. Yes. Everything that he does has an ulterior motive. Yep. He is doing. Look back on the story and what he's been doing, and the whole time you're like, I can't believe he manipulated me this whole time. But that's what he's been doing to everybody. Absolutely, because everything he does, he's doing so that he can show the people of Arendelle he is a good king. He is a good leader. He is trustworthy. He is worth their trust and their affection, and he is worth leading their country during this dark time so that when Elsa and Anna are out of the way, no one will be upset that he's the leader. They'll just be so grateful to have him around. And that's made very evident, you know, once he thinks that Anna has died— and he goes and tells everybody, well, at least we got to say our marriage vows in six seconds, whatever. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they've been gone for four minutes and supposedly they said their wedding vows alone right. with no witnesses and no justice of the peace. And everybody's just like, yep, he's king. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I think he does all of those things with the sole intention of I'm going to be the savior of Arendelle so that when they need a king... And I've killed off my wife and her crazy icicle sister. They won't hesitate to make me king. Correct. And even though they weren't actually married, nobody knows that. So he can get away with it. I mean, I think even if they were, she gave him control of the kingdom. She did. And, every, and everyone was grateful even. They were like, Arendelle is in your dead. And, you know, Arendelle looks to you in this dark time of what we should. They let him decide what to do with Elsa after Anna died. Yes. So I don't I think that he did a very good job of playing the good guy, which a lot of leaders do. It's called charisma. <laughs> but let's talk about some other things. How much did you love because you and I are sisters and we're very close. And luckily, we've all, all of us are close. Not everybody is close with their siblings, but luckily we all are. Um, what did you think about the representation of sisters in the movie and the portrayal? Um, in the beginning, it was really great, you know, because you see how Anna and Elsa are children and they're um, sitting in a room and Anna wakes up because the sky is awake. <laughs> and so she wakes up Elsa. And that is exactly what used to happen with with us. Like if one of us was awake and we were bored, we'd go wake up the other two or th even um, when Ivy was there, the other three sisters. Um, and we'd go and we'd do something. Yeah. And that's a very typical sister thing, I think, when you have a relationship with your sisters, because the four of us used to, I don't know, do anything, do everything. We, this is so random. We, okay, when we lived in Decatur, there was a church, like, I don't know, it was probably like two blocks from the house, I think. And it had a big pavilion with nothing but like concrete. 
And I'm not kidding you guys. This is what we used to do. We would walk down to the pavilion, pretend it was our house, and decorate it with imaginary objects. And we would literally <laughs> walk around and be like, well, this is where I would put my dresser. And then someone else would be like, well, this is where we should put the couch. No, the couch should go over here because I'm going to put a chandelier on the ceiling. Like We would literally do this for like five hours a day. I'm not messing with you guys. So I totally get sisters just randomly hanging out, trying to find ways of killing time. I honestly don't know how that entertained us as much as it did, but I remember we would do that well, like on a daily basis. Before there were cell phones or video consoles. <laughs> well, and we, you know, we were grow- when we were growing up, we were pretty poor, so we didn't have, you know, internet was not a thing until we were much older. Um, yes. We didn't really have like cable. We had TV? Question mark. Um. <laughs> we had we had we had a. Um, VHS player and some tapes that we could watch over and over again. Tapes that were, sorry, Grams, stolen. Because back <laughs> in the day, you could just take a tape and record and then send it to your grandkids with a little piece of tape that said The Lion King. Scooby Doo. Yup. Or one of our most exciting TV shows that we used to watch was called Watch Dad Play Tomb Raider on the PlayStation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. So I good <laughs> Yeah. So I totally get it. I love the idea of sisters just randomly like, ugh, there's something if I'm awake, you're awake. Let's go do something. I'm bored, I'm lonely, let's go find a way to entertain ourselves. And I think it's really I think it really shows the relationship that they have that she can just walk right in there, go to her bed. And I think that this is shown because later in the book later in the movie you constantly see her knocking on the door. Yes. And it looks like before that wasn't necessary. Shared a room. Yeah. So you just had to climb over to Elsa's bed. It's just a very different relationship that we see going forward. And it it does make me really sad. Yes. Because if that were to happen, like with you and me or with any of us, I would have been devastated. And it's heartbreaking to watch because that's something that's hard to go through. Like just to even watch, it's really hard to watch because I know how sisters are when they're really close. And if you lose that, then it definitely is. It's, it's something that's, I can't talk today. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hard to deal with. I mean, yes, we're not by any means perfect. We've gotten in fights before, but oh, without to, a doubt. I mean, if we're being a hundred percent honest, they last like an hour. You know, we say a bunch of really horrible Five things. Minutes. We both cry, and then within a few minutes, we've made up, and we're laughing, and we're joking, because it's just too hard to be angry with a person that you need that much, that means that much to you. Agree. You know, and I've always, it's one of the things that I think we've always said, and that will always be true of us, is that it's very difficult in life to find people who will love you no matter what, and luckily for us, we were born with three sisters willing to do that. Agreed. And that is a very lucky thing because not all people have that. Um, so we did grow up pretty lucky in my book. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we had we were lacking in other things. And maybe that's why we were so close as siblings, because we didn't have a lot of other things to distract us. And we did do everything together. And maybe that's what made us so close growing up and even now as adults. So I'm glad that towards the end of the movie, the two sisters kind of come back together and bond again. And, but it does break my heart, the beginning part. Yes, it does. What I love most, I think, is that the love that these sisters have for each other is very obvious to everyone except them. Like, every time we get a close-up of Elsa, it's very clear how much she loves and cares about Anna and vice versa. And it just seems to be like the two of them are the only ones that don't realize it. Yeah, and I think that's because they were separated at such a young age and forced to live apart due to Elsa's parents. Who I think act pretty harshly. Like I, Oh, they do. I don't have kids. I don't want to pass too much judgment. But you need to calm down. Like, <laughs> I mean, that when she accidentally hits Anna with the snow and it hits her in the hair and the dad barges in and he goes, what have you done? This is getting out of hand. Whoa. She's a little kid, first of all. Yeah. She she obviously didn't do it on purpose. She's sitting there on her knees crying, trying to hold Anna and protect her as much as she can. 
She called out for help because she was so panicked. The whole thing was a big accident. Otto was moving too fast and she couldn't, I don't know if she wasn't listening or she just couldn't hear Elsa. Like the whole thing was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was an accident. It was by no means anybody's fault. It just happened. And I get that it was Elsa's powers that caused the injury, but I think it was situational. Yes, it was. And that's what breaks my heart. And I'm sure the parents did the best they could with what they were given. But I just, that broke my heart when he comes in screaming like that. I was like, whoa, I'm not sure she deserves this. That seems really harsh. It, it does seem very harsh, harsh especially um, because she is so young and vulnerable at that time. That is when she's, she's just getting to the point where she is going to start to learn and pick up on her parents' way of life and pick up on the way they teach her things. Um, so at that point in life, you're the most vulnerable, in my opinion, uh, because you are actually learning a lot at that time. And what you learn is how you live your life. Yes. And I think that we see that very evidently throughout the movie, because a lot of things that she does and a lot of things that she says are callbacks to conceal, don't feel you need to wear the gloves, hide away from people and I'm sure the parents did the best they could. I'm not judging. I'm really not. I don't have kids, certainly not any with powers. And I don't know how I would handle the situation. But I do think that the way they reacted contributed a lot to the fear and insecurity Elsa had with her powers. So what do you think was your favorite part of the whole movie? Um, My favorite, I've got a few. Um. One of my favorite, like, little tiny moments that I picked up on throughout the movie was, so in the beginning, right before the coronation, um, you see a mother and her son walking up to the castle, and the son says, why do I have to wear this? And the mom says, because the queen has come of age, and it's her coronation. So the son goes, but that's not my fault. Um <laughs> That, to me, is probably the greatest moment in the entire movie, just because that little tidbit <laughs> in there of these random characters that we don't know the names of. Just throwing in a little comedic line for you, I think that that is, is a good point in the movie. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I love all the stuff with Sven and Kristoff, where he's talking for Sven. And, you know, you and I have talked about it a lot with Tangled and Rotel Dorado. Disney loves giving... Char- characterial traits and humanistic traits to horses and dogs and now apparently reindeer um <laughs> and, and chameleons and chameleons <laughs> yeah chameleons and snowmen and i just love it so much i do think i think one of the things that's like the biggest question i have after watching this movie is like okay yeah i get it she can manipulate snow and ice cool yeah. power Cool power, bro. How does she create sentient beings and give them life, literally? That and not just create them. <laughs> Olaf has, like, an extensive vocabulary. He He's knows, got like, the, a huge personality. He knows so much random facts about life. and <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very strange to me. I... I'm totally down for the fact that she has the super cool power to manipulate ice. I think that's incredible. I love it. But it does bring up a lot of questions that she can somehow create life. So Randy also agrees with you on that fact. He um, also is just really freaked out about the fact that she, she can create life. And she's wondering why nobody else is freaked out about it. And why they're just so nonchalant about the fact that she created actual life. More than once, because Marshmallow is an actual living entity as well. Yes, he is. Which, okay, I get it, people. It's a Disney movie. I know that's what everybody's going to say. They're like, it's a Disney movie. You're not supposed to ask too many questions. But it, it is like, whoa, this power is a little crazy all of a sudden. She literally created life, and nobody said anything about it. They're just nope. going on about, like, it never even happened, and, like, it's a completely normal thing. No, they're just wondering how they're going to tell him about Summer. <laughs> Which exactly. Is probably one of my another one of my favorite movies. <laughs> That's definitely my favorite song, first of all. And then, um, especially at the end, they're just arguing like, well, they're not really arguing. They're just talking like, don't you tell him. Somebody's got to tell him. <laughs> yeah. And I love that so much. It's so funny. And I like that she gives him his own like little 
cloud. Cloud so that he no. stays, so that he doesn't yeah. melt and stuff. I thought that was really sweet. So it's adorable. Who would you say is your favorite character? Or maybe who's your favorite sister? Um, I like Anna. Um, she reminds me a lot of you, and then she also reminds me a lot of Samantha. <laughs> yeah. Like, the nerdiness and the just the homebody feeling of it reminds me a lot of Samantha. <laughs> I think I like Anna best, too. But I think I relate more to the anxiety of Elsa. Oh, without a doubt. I personally relate to Elsa a lot more than I relate to Anna. Um, but I like Anna's character more because there's more character to her, I believe. Yeah, we don't really get a chance to see most of Elsa's character until the second movie. But in this first one, we don't get as much of her character as we do. Anna's very much like an open book. She wears her heart right on her sleeve. And that's how I am. That's my kind of personality is I'm an open book. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm very like energetic and positive and been told on more than one occasion my I have a resting kind face <laughs> so <laughs> I think that I relate to Elsa simply because I do struggle with anxiety so I get what it's like trying to deal with all of that but I think my outward personality is more closely related to Anna and I think uh, my my favorite secondary character I think the weasel guy is hilarious that whole uh, <laughs> like side plot is so funny um but I, I really entire movie <laughs> yes I really love Kristoff I think Kristoff is a wonderful guy um I love that he like right off the bat is like whoa you can't marry someone you just met what are you talking you're not supposed to talk to strangers and he's like I don't trust your judgment you are marrying a man you just met it's true love like that whole thing is so funny <laughs> and is. thank you Disney for someone finally pointing out that you can't marry a man you just met yes um, I think that that is a very important point in Disney history um they finally made it <laughs> seem like it's insane to marry somebody you just met and it is insane to marry somebody you just met and I not mean, sometimes that it works like, out and uh, good for those people. It's not a bad thing to marry someone you just met, but it is a little crazy because you don't really know them. I think it's more along the lines of like, I mean, our our grandparents had an arranged marriage, and I think that that's what most people compare it to. But I think it's different when you have an arranged marriage. Your parents are vetting the person for you. Yeah. And most of the time, I should say parents, family members, elders, whatever. In this case, and in a lot of other Disney, they like meet dance, have a song, fall in love, get married happily ever after. And while I would love to say that that's how life works, it's not how life works. Not at um, all. <laughs> it's okay. If you meet someone and you know within half an hour that you love them and you want to marry them and you guys have been married 47 years, I'm very happy for you. But yeah. I do think it is a little dangerous for young girls and boys to watch movies that are so influential where they constantly depict getting married so quickly after falling in love. And so I, I'm glad that someone finally called out like, well, maybe you guys should get to know each other just a little bit better. Yes. And honestly, me and Randy, when I first met him, I told him I loved him probably like three weeks into the relationship. <laughs> and it just so happens that we're still together almost six years later. But that doesn't I mean, always happen. Quentin and I, it was like a year and a half, I think, before I said I love you. That's a long time. It is a long time. Um, and technically, the first time he actually said I love you to me was during our wedding vows. So even longer for him, because at that point, we've been together for almost three years. The first time I heard Randy say I love you was like two weeks into our relationship. I was getting up and getting ready for work and he just blurted out I love you and he didn't even mean to say it. It was kind of just like one of those things where he means I love this about you but he had said that and I pretended not to hear him and just went on about my day. <laughs> Quinton is one of those people he thinks it's a given so he he just assumed that I knew that he loved me and he didn't need to say it. Like, even when he proposed, he didn't say it. <laughs> Interesting. And even now, it's not a commonality. I say it, like, every 20 minutes because that's who I am and that's how we grew up. 
And I say that to Randy too, and he's like, okay. (laughs) And I try explaining that to Quentin. I'm like, that's literally how we grew up. Like, I do that when I'm on the phone with my sisters. I'm like, okay, love you. Okay, love you too. Like, every five minutes, you know, like, that's just how we, that's how it was when we were young. Our parents wanted us to know that, you know, we might not have had everything in the world, but we were loved and we were cared for. Exactly. And so I think that's a hard habit to break, nor do I want to break it. I like being so full of love. Um, (laughs) But, I think it's interesting to cut to for Disney to finally, you know, come to this conclusion like, all right, we get it. You know, we can't do anything about movies that we already did. But maybe from here on out, we'll be like, please don't marry someone you just met. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's literally been like an hour, maybe. Yeah, at most. Yeah, because it's just a party. And it's obviously not more than one night long. So. Right. Like, imagine you're at your freshman homecoming dance and you meet a boy. And by the end of the dance, you're like, you're let's engaged. get married. You'd be <laughs> like, Is, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. I I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely something to be cautious of. So <laughs> I'm glad that someone called it out that makes me happy and it's a good thing they didn't get married because it turned out he wasn't the best guy so he was the bad guy i love that it was sister's true love that cured them not a boy i agree i think that that is also another first in disney history showing that um you don't need a man in your life to I mean, it's not a first, but it, the way they portray it is kind of like a first. I think it might be a first of sisters. Yes. And I love that. I mean, one of the things that we loved the most about watching Charmed growing up was that it was about sisters. And we loved the idea of living with your sisters, even as adults. And let's own a club together and have these magic powers. And how cool would that be? And be I think amazing. that... Right. (laughs) And I think that one of the things we loved about Charmed was that it was these sisters who are really close, who, you know, the person they needed the most in the world was each other and not a boy. And eventually, of course, they fall in love, got married, but their sisterhood always came first. And I think that Frozen does a good job of portraying that while it's wonderful to fall in love and get married and to live happily ever after. Like, the truest love that this story has is the connection between these two sisters. That's the true love that's going to save them, not true love's kiss. Exactly. And the fact that they show that it is Anna, or it is Elsa that unfreezes Anna at the end of the movie, I think that 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 is just a a beautiful moment in the entire movie for their sisterly bond. Um, On top of showing that they don't need... Kristoff to to kiss Anna because right up until that point they sh- are showing Anna trying to reach Kristoff so Kristoff can kiss her because Olaf tells Anna that Kristoff loves her. Yes, and what's great about that moment is there's if you go back and you watch the movie, pay attention. There's a moment where Anna hesitates between running towards Kristoff and getting that kiss that she thinks will free her, and running towards Elsa and protecting Elsa from Hans and she chooses Elsa Yep, and that's part of it. That's all part of what ends up saving her. She chooses Elsa. She freezes herself and sacrifices herself to save Elsa. And it's Elsa's love and grief that brings her back and not to draw too much of a parallel here, but you see this in Harry Potter, not in the movies because they're movies. In the, books, in the books, Harry is never able to fully achieve occlumency. He can't block Voldemort out. But we see in the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh book that grief and love is the only way he's ever able to fully overcome. We see it when Sirius dies, and he's so overwhelmed that with his with the loss of Sirius and the love he feels for Sirius that he finally is able to shut Voldemort out. And it happens again in the sixth book when Dumbledore dies. And again in the seventh book when Dobby dies. And that is just something you can see mirrored throughout history. It's more than just good versus evil. It's more than love versus hate. It's that love has this ability to protect you and save you from things you didn't realize were harming you in the first place. 
Yes, I agree with that. And even in the movies, there is one scene where it does show that in the Harry Potter movies, kind of. Um, when it's Dumbledore like super and cheesy, Voldemort, though. It is. It's when <laughs> Dumbledore and Voldemort are fighting against each other, and then Harry is on the ground and he gets Voldemort in his head, but then he's able to push him out and block him away because of love. Because he'll friendship. never know love and friendship. Yes. Yeah, it's really corny, but yeah, I agree. It's it's nice that they have some kind of representation of it because that's really what it is, you know, and not to because I know that it's a naive thing to think that love cures all and no one is saying that it does, but having love and being able to love and be loved, it's not easy for everybody. It's really not. It might seem like it is like, well, duh, you just love somebody, but it's not. People have histories. People have pasts where they've been hurt. People suffer from depression and other ailments that prevent them from really opening up to other people. And being able to not just love someone else, but to accept their love in return is a beautiful gift in life. And it is something to celebrate and cherish and protect. And that's what these two sisters have for each other. Yes, it is. And it also, um, it shows that um, Elsa learns how to love herself on top of it, which is something you have to learn how to do sometimes because not everybody can just love themselves. A lot of people struggle with that as well. I think that everybody struggles with loving everything about themselves. Some people, they don't like that they're short or that they're tall. They think they're too chubby or they wish they had darker hair, or curlier hair, or straighter hair, or more muscles, or just more of this or less of that or something different. And it can be very hard to love yourself for who and what you are. It can be very yes. difficult. And that's one of the things I love the most about the new Demi Lovato song is that she talks about that. And what resonated the most with me was probably the phrase, I'm guilty about everything I eat. But it is difficult to love yourself. It is difficult to accept everything about yourself. It is difficult to be 100% positive every time because maybe you don't like the shape of your eyes. Maybe you wish you were better at math. Maybe you wish you, you know, slept better at night or something. I don't know. But everybody has their own insecurities and it can be difficult to love yourself for who you are. And I'm not saying that I do. I'm not great at it. There are definitely days when I don't love everything about myself and there are days when I have you know, a lot of confidence and self-love and that's just self-care that we have to yes. practice every day. But I'm the same exact way. Yeah. It's nice to see Elsa find this moment where she's like, this is what I've been missing. This yes, is why yes. I haven't been able to control it because I haven't loved myself and the people around me enough to control, to use that love as the control for this power. I've been so afraid of it that I haven't embraced it enough to really know how to use it. Agreed. And that is um, one of the most pivotal moments. I mean, probably the most pivotal moments in the movie. And yes, it is in the end of the movie, but that is exactly when she's able to unfreeze everything in Arendelle, unfreeze her sister, um, create a little snow cloud for Olaf, get the fjords opened back up with the boats, or the ships floating again and not frozen in ice anymore. It is a huge pivotal moment in the movie when she learns to love herself and to love Anna. And to let herself be loved despite of everything else. Absolutely. Yes. So basically, it's a good movie. It's super cute. <laughs> you should go watch it. The second one was amazing. I really oh, hope everybody watches it. Yes, I cried it like four times watching the second one. I thought it was so great. I just, ugh, I just loved everything about it. Everybody go watch it. Uh, it's on Disney+. So it's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so thank you for coming today. I hope I can have you back for more Disney stuff in the future. Definitely. I'd be glad to come back. In the meantime, everyone listening, please rate, review, and subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us everywhere at Prince Kai Fan Pod. Don't forget to join our Patreon. You can join for as little as $1 a month and you'll get access to tons of bonus. So right now is the perfect time to do it because you might be in quarantine with nothing to do. And there's a lot of good stuff on there that'll keep you entertained. So Patreon members, keep a lookout in your inbox. When you listen to this episode, you will have the new notes for this episode that I took while watching the movie. And they're 18 pages long. So have fun reading. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I took notes on everything. <laughs> she did. She really did. I've yeah. seen the notes, and it's like in the very first five minutes, she probably paused the movie probably a good 20 times. So Yeah, I was constantly like, pause, type, pause, type, pause, type. <laughs> so, yeah. But thank you very much for coming. I hope that you are able to come back someday. And yes. at, at the end of every episode, you have to read the books to understand it. But at the end of every episode, I say, don't get glamored. So you have to participate in that now. But I guess since this, since this is a Disney topical episode, maybe we should say, don't get frozen. Ooh, we could do that. Do you like that <laughs> idea? Yes. Okay, so until next time, don't get frozen. Don't get frozen. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Lindsay Myers. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.